सहनावदो सहनो भनतो सहवीर्यं करवावहै तेजस्विनावधीतमस्तुमा विद्विशावहै ओम शांतिशांतिशांति So Lord Krishna said in the verse number three, Satvan Rupa Sarvasya Shraddha Bhavati Bharata. In Bharata, the Shraddha that one has is based on Sattva or one's own mind. Meaning that to begin with, everybody has brought with him or her a certain disposition which means certain tendencies, certain aptitudes, certain convictions as a result of the past karma, karma of the past birth. This is how one is born and subsequently of course this does undergo change as one comes under influence when a child grows in a family, in a society then further influences also are there but still, a person has brought basic tendencies, basic values, or basic aptitudes with himself. <clears throat> That's what Lord Krishna says. And subsequently now we are given some indications based on our own preferences as to how we can judge our own nature, whether the nature is sattvic, Rajas or Tamas <coughs> from the preferences. The uh, introduction is given in the verse number 7. Aharastvapi sarvasya trividho bhavati priyaha Yajnyastapastathadanam Tesham bhedamimam shunu Now Lord Krishna says that Ahara the food Food that we eat through the mouth is called Ahara here Sarvasya Trividho Bhodipriya the food also is threefold and therefore different people have preferences or liking for a different kind of food. The food also can be divided into three categories, sattvic, rajas and tamas and people with those dispositions have a natural liking for these foods, meaning that a person having the predominance of sattva will have a certain liking for food, liking for certain kind of food. Person having the predominance of rajas will generally have liking for another kind of food. A person having predominance of tamas will liking for yet other kind of food. From these likings we can judge what is perhaps the disposition that we have, number one. And it also means that if you want to cultivate sattva then we should Cultivate the food which is compatible to sattvic nature. 
So Lord Krishna says, Ahara hai. This food also is threefold and like by food that is liked by people is threefold. Yajna tapahat tathadanam. So also yajna, the daily sacrifice, sacrificial rituals that are performed, tapahat, austerity that are performed, dhanam, the charity that people perform. These are the examples of the day-to-day activities. In the Vedic times, as Lord Krishna says in the 18th chapter, yajnyadana tapakarma natyajyam, that a person should necessarily have these three kinds of daily duties. One is the yajna, which is the ceremony or ritual that is performed for worship of gods. It used to be that the worship was performed with fire, where the fire is kindled in an altar, gods are invoked in the fire, offerings are made to gods with the recital of mantras or sacred formulas. This was a daily routine. In the Vedic times, a person, a couple, as they get married, from the very first day, they were supposed to perform Agni Hotra Karma. And then, on, on other occasions, like on the full moon day, on the new moon day and so forth, they were supposed to perform other rituals over and above this. This performance of yajna was a daily ritual. Then tapaha, different kinds of austerities at the physical level, the level of speech, level of mind, which Lord Krishna will describe. The austerities also were a daily routine and dhanam, charity. So these were prescribed as the daily duties that everyone should perform. Yajna is meaning that there should be worship in our life and the reason for worship is twofold. One is in appreciation of the, as you said, the favor or the support that you receive from the cosmic forces different devatas, so fire, sun, moon, wind, all of these are looked upon as devatas because they are responsible for various cosmic functions and it is believed that they are also responsible for various functions in our own body. For example, sun is the presiding deity of eyes, sun illumines the objects and eyes are able to see Sun is the presiding deity of eyes. Fire is said to be the presiding deity of speech. Meaning that these gods who run the affairs of the whole universe also run the affairs of an individual. And therefore, every moment we in fact enjoy their grace. Without our knowledge also, or without any acknowledgement from us also, they do what they do. The sun rises and sets and illumines the whole world Sitting there also with his heat, he keeps evaporating water, converting it to clouds, and sun is responsible for rain, and the food, and the life, and energy, does that, without any acknowledgement. So also wind, the air also does what it does. It sustains the life of all the living beings. So does water, so does earth by giving food. Thus these devatas continuously do what they do. And 
they have a very important role to play in our own life. In recognition to this, Vedas say that there should be in you a sense of gratitude and you should have the spirit of returning the favor. Therefore, may every day perform the rituals and make offerings to these gods. So this is called yajna, where the ritual is performed to make offering to gods. These days we may not be performing those kind of yajnas, but we perform other kind of rituals, where offerings to gods are made. Every Hindu family, most of them have an altar at home, and they do offer, perform worships, make offerings to the deity or the temples. In short, in one's life, there should be this offering to the gods. In recognition of the favor and the support that we constantly receive from them. Charity is meant as our contribution to the needy members of the society because we are what we are on account of what other members of society also do. A farmer does his job, a postman, a merchant, a milkman, whatever, and this is the support of our life. Therefore, it becomes our duty also to share with them, in, with those who are needy. This is recognition that there are people who are more needy than I am, and therefore that I should be charitable. I should share part of what I have. So these were said in austerities. At the personal level, one's life is as simple as possible. Same time, there are different forms of other worship that we perform, which are all included in austerities. So this is how the religious life was prescribed. <coughs> Therefore, everybody used to have this yajna, the worship, tapaha, the austerity, dhanam, charity, and of course eating food. These were all the daily routine activities. That is why Lord Krishna takes these activities and shows us how the way in which these activities are performed will reveal something about our own nature. How we perform these activities, with what attitudes, etc., that will reveal our nature. Therefore, these four activities are described in the 17th chapter. <coughs> the purpose is that, as we said, we understand the tendencies of our own mind and we make a sincere attempt to get rid of the tendencies born of rajas and tamas and cultivate the tendencies of sattva. So now the threefold food is being described. The verse number eight. Ayusattva balarogya Sukhapriti vivardhana Rasya snigdhasthira rudhyaha Ahara sattvika priyaha Ahara sattvika priyaha So these are the foods that are naturally liked by people having a sattvic disposition. When the mind has predominance of sattva, well, everybody's aptitudes or likes and dislikes are according to the disposition of their mind. Therefore, if the disposition of mind is sattvic, 
then Lord Krishna says that these are the food that will be naturally liked by them. They'll prefer this kind of food. What are those foods? Ayus, Ayuhu, Sattva, Bala, Arogya, Sukha, Preeti, Vivardhana. Those which are conducive for the growth or increase of Ayuhu, meaning the longevity. The food which is conducive for the longevity, increasing the span of life. Sattvam. Sattvam is the strength of the mind. Sattvam is the mind. Here it means the, the strength of the mind. Because in the life we have to confront sometimes very painful, difficult situations, challenges. At that time a mind that enjoys that inner strength will be able to maintain its fortitude, maintain also its calmness in spite of the difficult situation. So this is one of the qualities of the mind, enjoying sattva. <clears throat> so food that is conducive to this kind of a mind, where the situation is very tough, very difficult, very painful also, and still the mind does not react, mind does not give up, but mind continues to confront and face and deal with the situation. That is called sattva here. Then bala, sharira samarthyam, the strength of the body. The food must be conducive for the strength of the body. What is meant by strength is that we should have enough strength to perform our day-to-day -day activities. Whatever duties we are required to perform or whatever activities we are required to perform, the strength in the body to be able to do those things is what is meant by strength here. <clears throat> Arogya is health. There is freedom from disease. Arogya, health. Sukha. Sukha is the, the contentment or the happiness that you feel as a result of eating the food. So in having the enjoyment of the meal. So the sense of enjoyment or happiness that you come when you complete your meal. That's called sukham, happiness. Preeti is delight. Enjoying the food. So while we are enjoy, while eating the food, enjoying the food, that's called preeti, delight. Sukham, happiness. Having eaten the food, a sense of contentment, a sense of happiness. Vivardhanaha. So those foods which are conducive for the growth of these things. <clears throat> they are the foods that are liked by the sattvic people. What are those foods? The second line says, Rasyaha, Snigdaha, Sthiraha, Rudyaha. Here Lord Krishna does not describe actual items of food but certain characteristics of food. <clears throat> Rasyaha, those which are succulent or juicy, Rasyaha. Where there is the, I shouldn't say Rasgulla or Gulam Jam, Rasyaha, the, the foods that have the Rasa in there. <clears throat> 
that is a natural, I mean not added rasa or added juice, but then food that are juicy by themselves. Like when you put a, a piece of uh, the uh, sugar crystal in your mouth, there is rasa, or, you know. So food which naturally have that kind of rasa. <clears throat> Many fruits and will fall in this category. Milk also will fall in this category. And so fruits, I mean the, the food which naturally, which are succulent, which are juicy, snigdaha, which are oily or smooth, easy to, to, uh, to swallow. So milk and milk products will fall in that category. Sthiraha, substantial. Meaning the, the food that remains in the body, not as it is, but then the essence of the food remains in the body for a long time. The food that we eat continues to support the body for a long time. That is called this thiraha, which are these stable or substantial. Hrudhyaha, <clears throat> agreeable. When you look at the food, so you like to the food you like to look at the food. The very appearance of the food itself is enjoyable. Drushta, drushta, dosha shunyaha, rudepriyaha, the food that are pleasing to the heart. Agreeable to one's own mind. Aharaha, Satvika Priyaha. So these are the kind of food that are naturally liked by people of Satvik disposition. <coughs> Then we go to the next one. Katvam lalavana tyushna. Katvam lalavana tyushna. Tikshna ruksha vidahina. Tikshna ruksha vidahina. Ahara rajasasyeshtaha. Ahara rajasasyeshtaha. Dukha shoka mayaprada. Katu, Amla, Lavana, Ati Ushana, there is the word Ati there in between. Ati means excessively. That Ati is to be applied to each one of them. In fact, Ayurveda prescribes that all the different rasas, six rasas are there. All the six rasada, six tastes actually we should we should consume in in proper and moderate measure. But here, when it becomes excessive, katu means bitter. So some bitter uh, taste also should be there in our food, meaning some. But then ati katu, too much too bitter. Amla, the sourness also must be there, but too sour. Lavana, salt must be there, but too salty. Ushna, food should be warm, but very hot. Some people want very hot food. They want, they drink tea or coffee. As it even comes out of a stall, they right away drink. I don't know what happens to their mouth, but very hot. Tikshna, very pungent. Ruksha, very dry. Vidayana, burning, 
like jalapeno and chili and things like that as you even eat, it just burns your mouth. So food that burns your mouth, that is extremely dry, which is very sour, very bitter, very salty. This is a food that will be naturally liked by the people who are predominantly in rajas. Aharaha, rajasasya ishtaha. So these are the foods that are desired or liked by the people having predominance in rajas. <coughs> what do these foods do? The sattvic food, we said, is conducive to the longevity, conducive to good health, conducive to the strength of the mind, conducive to delight and happiness. That's what the sattvic food is conducive to. Whereas, this is quite the opposite. Dukkha shoka maya pradaha. Dukkham. Even as you eat this food itself, it makes, you know, creates lots of pain because of the burning of the skin and burning of the mouth and uh, uh, tears coming from the eyes and, and from the, you know, nose and things like that. But they like it still. But then it causes this kind of pain. Shoka. After the food also, it, the, the shoka is the grief that it leaves afterwards. Amaya, the disease that it brings. So these are the foods that bring the dukkha, the pain, shoka, the grief, amaya, the disease, conducive to that. So these are the foods that are liked by the people having rajas as predominant. <coughs> and finally, Lord Krishna talks about the tamas food. Yatayamam gatarasam Puti paryushitanchayata Uchishtamapichamedhyam Bhojanam tamasapriyam Yatayamam Yama means three hours. The food that is cooked before three hours, that's what yatama means. But here is interpreted as food that is not properly cooked, yatayama. Gatarasam, which is lacking of essence, no rasa in there. Puti, which is rotten or decayed or stinking. Paryushitam, which is stale. So food that is stinking, food which is stale, food is devoid of any kind of essence, food which is not properly cooked, system, which is impure, abandoned, meaning after somebody has eaten, the food that is abandoned or left after eating is called system, impure. Amedhyam, fit, unfit for being offered to gods, amedhyam. Unfit for being offered in sacrifice or unfit for being offered to gods. Bhojanam, tamasapriyam, this kind of bhojanam, the food that people, predominant tamas, they like that food. <coughs> Here, just for your information, we have a uh, handout.
I could get only a part of this. There was, in fact, uh, another half year, but this much I could get. Sattvic food, Rajas food, Tamas food. Sattvic food makes the mind calm. Our peaceful friend who left above is blessing his food before he begins to eat. This sanctifies the naturally pure elements of his meal, of fruits, whole grains, lightly cooked vegetables, salad, and pure water. Your sattvic food. Fruits, whole grains, lightly cooked vegetables, salad, and pure water. Fresh and close to their natural state, his sattvic foods are lightly cooked and seasoned. You could also have fresh dairy products, yogurt or cheese made with vegetarian rene. His mind and emotions will be as wholesome as his meal, not disturbed by agitating or dulling elements in his food. His body will be fully nourished by life-giving carbohydrates, protein and vitamins. Sattvic food. What is this food? Whole grains are sattvic, such as brown rice, whole wheat, millet, corn, soybeans, lentils, oats and beans. Fresh vegetables are sattvic, celery, cauliflower, zucchini, lettuce, green beans, broccoli, asparagus, what, so forth. Fresh fruits are sattvic, apples, peaches, oranges, bananas, dates, guavas, berries, papayas. In short, fresh vegetables are sattvic, fresh fruits are sattvic, the dairy also is classified as sattvic. Whole grains are sattvic. Basically, sattva also means life. Food which is as close to the life as possible. We need not imagine that all vegetarian food is necessarily sattvic. Depends upon how even the vegetarian food is cooked. If it is overcooked, if it is fried, overcooked, overspiced, etc., then it no more remains sattvic. It is true that only vegetarian food can be sattvic because that is where the life is. Sattva means life. So food should be as alive as possible. In the scheme of things of creation, it is said that one life form depends upon another life form. Therefore, every living creature requires live food. Human beings also require live food. Therefore, these vegetables, fruits, grains, all of them have life. No doubt. We'll talk about the meat, etc. But then, yes, they also have life. Because we cannot eat anything that is lifeless. Because to sustain the life, we require life. And the food should be so cooked that it should be as close to... It must retain as much life as possible. More we cook, more the life is sacrificed. That is why the food which is prescribed by the uh, naturopathic, naturopaths, they always prescribe that you should eat food as it is cooked by God. They say food is already cooked, you do not have to cook that in your kitchen. Because fire in the form of sun cooks the food in the fields, it's already cooked. And there is fire in your stomach, they'll do the rest of the cooking. So according to them, you do not require to cook most of the food in the kitchen. Eat it raw. 
course, grains, I think you cannot eat raw, so you soak them, you sprout them, or, or even if you cook them, do as, as little cooking as possible. And keep the food to as natural a state as possible, because that is where the life is. Even the uh, vegetables also. They would prescribe that you should eat vegetables raw, which would not meet our taste. Mainly the reason why we eat the way we eat is only because of our palate, more than our need. But anyway, so they prescribe, so they would love the salads and even the vegetables also as little cooked. Preferably not cooked at all or as little cooked as possible. And of course fruits. But fruits also, they do not like fire. They do not like knife also. Don't use your knife. Fruits also should not be cut and left over. So we cut the fruits and leave in the refrigerator and whatever it is for our own convenience, no good. Even the vegetables also, eat them right away. They should not be exposed to oxygen, etc. And so this is ideally the food that they prescribe is the sattvic food because it has preserved the life as much as possible. Well, so what we eat depends upon, I mean, whether we get all sattvic food or not depends upon how we cook. But usually Indians cook the food too much. This is what is generally said. Some they say they cook the food to death, you know, and you take these grains and they grind them and, and, and then beat them up and all kinds of things. So everything is taken and then is cut and then uh, boiled and fried and spiced and... <coughs> the idea is that just because food is vegetarian does not mean that it is necessarily sattvic. But then, that's why he said here, lightly cooked. And things should be as fresh as possible. <clears throat> I, I, I hope not to find that kind of food on my plate tomorrow morning, you know, because uh, Swami, that's what you said. <laughs> because I'm not yet used to that. I'm not used to eating raw food. My stomach cannot handle even salads, let alone the raw vegetables, etc. And I eat because it is tasty more than it is good. This is a very sad thing, you know, but then, uh, unfortunately, that's how it is. And therefore, the food should be delicious, not tasty, you know. Therefore, it should be reasonably well cooked <laughs> and reasonably well seasoned, not overspiced, overcooked, but still. <clears throat> I think I have to change, but so far it does not happen. Also, this naturopath says that anything white is poison, so they say. So salt is poison according to them. White sugar is poison according to them. White anything, they would, never, they would not even uh, accept any daily product. Milk is white, rice is white, brown rice may be okay, but then anything white is said to be poison. So, just for your information. There are different kinds of Diets, as once our male was telling me, I think there is some kind of Japanese diet where they prefer to eat things that grow upwards because that is spiritually uplifting and they avoid things that grow downwards. Our uh, Jains in India, there is a sect of, you know, that is called Jains, they are also very particular about their diet, but in avoiding a lot of things, they do not eat anything that grows underground. 
Of course, their main uh, emphasis on ahimsa and non-violence, and they want to make their life as non-violent, as non-hurting as possible. But in that process, they avoid anything that cooks, that grows underground. So all these roots, like potatoes, etc., they don't eat. Of course, no onion, garlic, but even potatoes and, uh, and uh, the uh, sweet potatoes, these things they will not eat. <coughs> Ginger also they don't eat. Then they do not eat certain greens also. But in monsoon they do not eat greens. They don't even eat mangoes once the rain starts. So 22nd of June, the rainy season starts, then the mangoes become less expensive in the market, you know. Until then, mangoes are very expensive because those fellows, uh, you know, have their own share. But when they stop eating, after 22nd of June, mango prices come down somewhat. They don't. Thus, they have these ideas about uh, what kind of insects there are, and so they are even more strict as far as their food is concerned. <coughs> In short, different kinds of diets exist in this world, uh, not only in India but elsewhere also. And the purpose of this diet is that the diet should be conducive to one's spiritual life and spiritual growth. <coughs> Sattvikur. Then next one is the Rajas. Makes the mind restless. Our active friend in the middle, we don't have those pictures, all of them, but I guess the middle fellow is about to enjoy his meal of spicy fish, potatoes, parsley and wine. Though nutritious, this food will excite his mind, emotions and body, causing a continuously restless state, just as he desires new food and spices. That's another thing. With spices, etc., that you always want new things. If person with rajas as predominant, always wants new things. Sattvic person is quite content with sattvic food and he doesn't need that much variety because he would enjoy what there is. But a Rajas person cannot enjoy what there is, he must convert everything to his own liking. And therefore he, want, he would want variety of foods, new kind of spices. Just as he desires new food and spices to enjoy, he desires ever-changing emotional and intellectual gratification. That is, when rajas is prominent in mind, then a person is always seeking gratification. Sense gratification, emotional gratification, ego gratification. So seeking gratification is predominant for a person who is predominant in rajas. A person who enjoys sattvic mind enjoys an inner contentment. Therefore, his needs and demands to the outside world are few. That's the reason why he doesn't demand new things every day, because he's able to enjoy what there is, basically because there is contentment in his own mind. <coughs> but the person with rajas always wants new things. He'll be aggressive with others, not at peace with himself. This is the, the disposition of a person with rajas as predominant, and subject to illness, dukkha shoka maya pradaha, dukkha is unhappiness, Sorrow, disease, fish, fowl, eggs, meat, except beef and pork, which are tamasic, coffee, tobacco, and spicy food are all rajasic. This diet militates against a calm approach to life. Then what are the rajas food? 
fish and meat are rajasic, such as salmon, sole, trout, I don't know what all, lamb, chicken, turkey, tuna, venison and eggs, all rajas. <coughs> Our Swamiji was remarking once, you know, what kind of festivals people have? Thanksgiving is a festival. When you thank Lord, Thanksgiving I guess is a festival for thanking Ishwara. But what happens that day? What happens is that poor turkeys, you know, in thousands and thousands, are, you know, they are sacrificed. So you sacrifice the turkey and eat it. And that is your way of thanking God. So our way of thanking God becomes so violent for other people, other, other creatures. So this chicken and turkey and tuna and, and anyway, if you watch all the movies where they show you how, uh, what happens in all these uh, slaughterhouses, how animals are treated and how they are, you know, I don't think anybody will ever want to eat meat. If you see where the meat is coming from, we don't know where the meat comes from. That is why it is available in very neat packages in the stores and the fridges. We don't know what it is, what's the source and how it is gotten. Once you see what all happens there, I don't, anybody will want to even touch it. Spices are rajic such as salt, cayenne, black pepper and ginger, or onions, radishes and garlic. They are rajas. Stimulants are rajas such as coffee, tea, sugar, cola, cola drinks and chocolate. In moderation, beer and wine are rajasic. That's a rajasic food. Then the tamasic food makes the mind dull. Our lethargic friend on the right above is about to enjoy a standard American meal, cheeseburger and fries, with bourbon on ice to drink. He is unwittingly consuming largely lifeless matter. The patty of beef, a tamasic meat, has been treated with chemicals, frozen, then cooked hours in advance. The cheese was curdled with rennie from calf's stomach. The refined white bun provides precious little nutrition. His deep-fried French fries are difficult to digest. The drink will blur his senses. With his heavy load to digest, is no wonder our friend's mind is a little dull. But a lot of energy goes in digesting the food, is not available to the mind. <coughs> Beef and veal are tamasigadar, preserved meats such as hot dogs, sausages, sardines, bologna, bacon and ham. Deep-fried fruits are such as french fries, so are foods preserved with salt or by pickling in vinegar. Salt pickles, I think, will fall in this category, is it? Hard liquor is tamasic such as gin, vodka, arak, whiskey, rum, scotch, martinis and other mixed drinks. <clears throat> so this is sattvic, rajas and tamas. For our information. But Swamiji, does it mean that all those who eat sattvic food are always sattvic? Not necessarily. We do not mean that food is the only contributing element to the mind. There are many other things also which contribute to the disposition of mind. Because food is eaten not only through mouth, but food is eaten through other senses also. We have five organs of perception through which we eat, we consume different kinds of food. From our eyes, we, for example, uh, experience the colors and forms, ears, the sounds, with the tongue, I mean with the uh, touch, the skin, 
with a nose. So with all the organs we consume things. So what kind of things we see? What do we smell? What do we touch? What do we hear? What do we read? All of these also have significant impact on the mind. And so, if a person wants to cultivate a sattvic mind, food is of course one of the things. But then, one has to be very uh, alert about what other kind of input comes to the mind. <clears throat> because input comes to the mind through all the doors of organs of perception. Of course, through internet, through all kinds of things it comes. And we have to watch out. Because otherwise, those influences will have, those things will influence the mind. And so it is not that food is the only thing, but it is one of the important things. <clears throat> then, talking about uh, this meat and the, the vegetarian things, again I have a very old article here. <laughs> meat eating, it is an issue in many Hindu homes and families, especially if some members are vegetarians and others are not. Like many of the old ways, vegetarianism went out of vogue for a while. Muslim in India lived under its conquerors, because conquerors were all meat-eaters, and therefore this meat-eating also came to India through them. Muslims are meat-eaters, so are Christians, and so. Otherwise, India was largely a vegetarian country, under influence of Jainism, Buddhism, Vaishnavism, so these Acharyas. Whatever was at the Vedic times, people always People want to justify eating meat by quoting something from Veda, from some other text. But understand that Hindu society is always an evolving society. And therefore we need not justify the practice of 2000 years today. It is possible that thousands of years ago people ate meat. I don't know, they may have. But there is no justification for eating meat. I used to receive letters. People in, this was 10-15 years ago, people, those days the temples were newly coming up and in all communities this debate always was there. Because for, for uh, building a temple you need the uh, donation from all members of community. People would donate and then they would also want to dictate their conditions and so we want to use the temple hall for our social functions, including weddings and birthdays and so forth. And we want to serve their food. You want to serve meat and alcohol? And then some other members of community, when they would offer protest, say, oh, look, this is what this book says and that's what that book says and then meat was being eaten and so they would then ask me a question. Was meat ever being eaten in India in the past? <clears throat> My answer is simple, even if it was, there is no justification in eating it. Now we are much more knowledgeable. Now we have much more information. Many more resources. Thousands of years ago, what resources are available, we do not know. But now many more options are available. <coughs> and then we cannot quote some scripture of the past to justify any kind of behavior today. I personally do not, even if it is said anywhere, what I say 2000 years ago or 5000 years ago, cannot be quoted to justify some, <coughs> some kind of behavior today. But in any case, 
So the influence of the Acharyas of Jain, Bauddha, Vaishnavas, these had a very significant impact on the society and therefore non-violence was a very important value in India. And therefore vegetarian food is in conformity to the principle of non-violence. A standard argument there also is Swamiji, vegetables also have life, plants also have life, and chicken also has life, and cow also has life. What's the difference? There is a vast difference. Inasmuch as a cow is a much more evolved animal, it has taken perhaps millions of years to evolve a level of cow. Whereas a plant, a vegetable, is much less evolved in terms of evolution. It is much less evolved, therefore, sacrificing a plant, we are sacrificing much less of the energy of the nature than sacrificing an animal, number one. <coughs> Meaning that the violence involved in killing an animal will be many, many more fold than the violence involved in eating vegetable. There are many plants also which do not even die by, by giving their produce, like fruits and many vegetables also. Many of these plants have very short life also, like those which the crops etc. And which naturally they get ripened. <coughs> Apart from the fact that our uh, whole system, digestive system and everything is all meant also for vegetarian food. Otherwise, if you were meant to eat meat, then we would have those canine teeth like the dogs and cats and other carnivorous animals have. It would be all right that one animal eats another animal, but then also is available for being eaten by yet another animal. Here human being goes with gun. He doesn't want to, he doesn't make himself available to the animals to be eaten. He kills them. So this is nothing but violence. And if there was no option available for me, then it's all right. But all scientific evidence, of course, has proven that eating meat is not healthy for the human being. Recently, uh, I just came across an article where it said, how eating meat contributes to global warming. In fact, the animals, like cows, etc., contribute much more to global warming than even automobiles. Because the, the uh, methane gas and the ammonia, the methane gas that they blur, and ammonia that comes with the urine, etc., all of these are the gases that contribute to global warming. And he says there, far too many human beings are eating far too many animals, you know. So he says, uh, far too many human beings are eating far too many birds, fish, animals, and eggs. And all of this consumes energy, both ways. Number one, what those cows are emitting. Secondly, what all energy takes to sustain those cows in those farms. Where the feed is produced, where it is transported. When you take into account all the energy that is spent, then 
it is much more substantial than energy even in spent in with the automobile fuels <clears throat> so even now we, when we talk of a responsible way of life then we should live in a way so that we do not contribute to global warming warming then also that's just an additional thing <clears throat> but then eating meat means much more violence eating meat means rajas and tamas eating meat also means the uh, something that uh, militates against our health and eating meat also means consuming a large amount of the uh, the natural resources because a cow has to eat all that feed the grass and we get about 10% of what the cow eats meaning that when this all processes meat what you get is about 10% of what is consumed if you directly consume them then you would have saved all that amount of uh, uh, the vegetarian food because ultimately food is only vegetable even what we eat also eat meats anyway i mean it's vegetable and therefore the consumption of the natural resources in the form of grass and vegetables and earth and everything else also is many fold more than people eat meat so from the standpoint of the ecological balance the environment the violence the global warming the health in no way in fact eating meat can be justified other than just the this palate another question they always ask is what about protein now this is all this is a myth that is created really like like milk you know, they create this myth this is for I me mean, somebody says for I me mean, these days they are growing lots of uh, almonds in in california so now they'll come up with some gimmicks and and show how almond is the most wonderful thing in the world to increase consumption of almond but then <clears throat> there are more proteins in fruits vegetables and grains than you ever need that's what they say naturopathy says that all in fact they they ask you not to eat proteins because in fruits vegetables and grains more protein more than you need these proteins are available and overloading the body with protein only requires you to digest it and it is loaded in the kidney etc so this protein is a myth the doctors always ask me swamiji where do you uh, get the animal products when they hear you know there is a swami and a vegetarian so what animal product if you don't have animal product where do you get animal uh, protein <clears throat> even if you need protein suppose there is no justification of killing somebody i mean what kind of a cruelty is it that just because my body needs protein that i kill an animal of course the standard answer is where do the the elephants and horses where do they get their protein you know and so forth anyway in eating fruits vegetables legumes and grains you're eating peace prosperity security and longevity by eating meat fish fowl and eggs you're eating the emotions of those creatures you are what you eat and with the meat the emotions of those creatures are going to come what are those emotions anger jealousy fear to see the expressions of the animals when they are led to the slaughter you know you to see those expressions those fear and all of that comes 
which together create indecision, slothfulness and feeling of despair. Unfortunately, Hindus have fallen for this stuff, particularly those, even in India also. Uh, I don't know, meat eating seems to have become very prevalent in India and these days it is considerably fashionable to eat meat. People have all kinds of problems. They say, people tell me there are social reasons for eating meat. It's very hard to live a normal business life and refuse to eat meat. That's an argument. Not so. So the most successful businessmen and women in the world are vegetarians. They take pride in it, as they should. It's a statement of their relationship with the planet and its inhabitants. It's not a minus at all, but a plus, for it proves their sense of compassion and justice for others. It defines them as having strong values and the courage to stand up for them. So eating meat and drinking alcohol just because it is social, under pressure, it doesn't make sense. It just only shows the weakness of the heart. <clears throat> Another thing was, one of the expressions used is amedhyam. The food that is not fit to be offered to gods. Now when we come to that, in the 15th chapter of Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna says, Aham Vaishvanara Bhutva Pranayanam Dehamashritaha Prana Panasamayuktaha Pachamyannam Chaturvidham Lord Krishna says that, I reside in the stomach of living beings as the digestive fire. And I digest all the four kinds of food with the help of the Breathing, prana and apana, breathing in, breathing out with the help of that, respiration, respiratory system, I digest the food. Which means that it is God or Lord who is sitting in our stomach in the form of the digestive fire. And whatever we eat, in fact, goes to Him. That's the reason why we recite this verse before eating our meal. Brahmarpanam, Brahmahavihi, Brahmagnau. Brahmanahutam, Brahmayvatena Gantavyam, Brahma Karma Samadhina. Because everything is Brahman, everything is God. Brahmarpanam, the fingers with which we eat also is expression of God. Brahmahavi, the morsel of food that we take with our fingers becomes like an oblation, you know, to the fire. Brahmagnau, the fire to which the food is offered also is God as digestifier. The food also is God because Lord Krishna says, as the moon, I, I become the very sap and the very juice and very taste in all the food. Meaning that the food which is in front of us in our plate also is manifestation of Ishwara. So food also is Ishwara, the fire is also Ishwara, and then when that food is digested in our body, its essence in fact makes a body because this body is nothing but the modification of essence of food. So body also is really the expression of Ishwara. Therefore our hand, our fingers. So these are also the expression of Ishwara. So Brahma Arpanam. Arpanam means that with which we offer oblation. Our fingers also is Brahma. Brahma Havi. The food, which is an oblation, also is Brahma, God. Brahma Agnav, the digestive fire, 
where the food is offered also is Brahma. Brahmana Hutam, and the one who eats also is Brahman because he is our self. Thus, traditionally, even the whole act or process of eating food is looked upon as a, a religious process. That's the reason why the food is always should be, should be such that it is fit to be offered to gods. The food that we can offer to the god in the temple, ideally, that's the food that we should eat. That's why in all Hindu homes traditionally, the first plate of food would be offered to the Lord. And then the family would eat. And we cannot offer to the Lord any meat and onions and garlics and stuff like that. And so whatever is fit to be offered there, is fit to be offered to our stomach also. So considering the religious aspect, the spiritual aspect, the moral aspect, the scientific aspect, in every aspect, eating only vegetarian food is, uh, is, is justified. Eating meat has no justification from any aspect. While talking about food, I thought that we would share some of these thoughts with you, talking about sattvic, rajas and tamas food. And how therefore, in fact, the Vedic way of life was the whole life is, uh, uh, the day-to-day life that we live is not to be compartmentalized, is not to be looked upon as separate from religious life. The life, religiosity or spirituality should become the way of life. And so in whatever we do, those values should be reflected. And of course food is a very important thing, there also it should be reflected. That is why Lord Krishna makes it a point to discuss this food. <clears throat> Even Lord Krishna may never imagine modern man's ability to fill supermarkets with decidedly non-sattvic food. Spices abound in science, science with its chemicals and food processing techniques has brought new dimensions to the concept of tamasic. So, anyway, this is how, uh, what I don't know what to do. The, uh, that the food that you get in the supermarkets also with all kinds of chemicals and preservatives also is becoming uh, that's a different issue if you go to other people go to internet and look what is all contained in there and, uh, you know, and, and avoid all kinds of food I guess ultimately a time will come and you will grow your own food but then also you cannot spray any kind of uh, chemicals but whatever. So we can do the best that we can do, given uh, the circumstances. But wherever options are available, all it means is wherever option is available, we should choose an appropriate or a proper option. <coughs> Om. Om Purnamadaf Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyate Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishyade Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Gurubhyo Namaha